0: Santa Clara Design Boutique provides accessible and affordable ways to create beautiful, sacred spaces in your everyday. Creating spaces that reflect what is true and good and beautiful is near and dear to owner and lead designer Lauren Gouldy's heart. Visit Santa Clara Design online at santaclaradesign.com to find a wide variety of Catholic art prints canvases stickers printables teas, mugs totes and more center saint sister listeners get 10 percent off of their print and sticker orders with code center saint sister sometimes on a really hectic day i'll head over to at santa clara design on instagram to scroll and just take in all of the piece head over there on instagram at facebook at santa clara design to join their email list Welcome to Center St. Sister. I am your host, Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast that highlights the ways that people have leaned into life, their heartaches, their stories, their lessons. Some of my very favorite feedback that I get about Center St. Sister is when people tell me that listening is the most peaceful part of their week. You can head over now to youtube.com slash Allison Sullivan to watch us there too. I hope you hear something today that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center St. Sister. The summer that my third baby came, I fell apart a little bit. I call that summer, Summergeddon, because having three kids right in a row was not for the faint of heart. Now, before my third came, I felt like I had just been dabbling in parenthood, and it feels really important to say right here that there was nothing about having one kid or having two that felt easy. Absolutely nothing. But three, it felt Olympian. It was no joke. I felt like I couldn't do anything without 10 out of 10 scale full exertion. Just getting them into the car felt athletic, and I've never described myself as an athlete. I would get everyone fed and dressed with snacks in their hands and into the car for a doctor's appointment and feel like a complete and total Olympian. I would celebrate the rest of the day with tequila shots and balloons. Fine. No balloons. But I deserved balloons. And do you want to know why? Because I live in Texas, and it's hot. It would be 102 degrees outside, yes, in the morning, and I think that index thing like triples it or something. (sighs) I used to celebrate graduations and weddings and promotions, birthdays, the like. Now I was just getting some kids in a car. I didn't break suddenly. It was a little more gentle than that, if you can describe a break as gentle. I remember one morning laying in my bed, covered in breast milk and sweat, and I was watching my husband get ready for work. He was clean as a whistle, fresh out of the shower, and he was getting dressed, tightening his belt around his very trim waist, and he was going to go walk into a building where everyone respected his opinion and probably never experimented with the new word that they had just learned, no, and how emphatically they could say it without being disciplined. I laid there, and hot tears stung my eyes. I was missing something, although I didn't know what because I had zero desire to get in pants with a belt. Or take a shower, for that matter. Maybe it was the prestige. Maybe it was the exit sign. Maybe I missed that my husband could walk out of an exit sign and completely wipe his hands of that day. I had neglected myself and my own needs for so long in the midst of mothering, sleepless nights, boredom, repetitive tasks that I didn't feel challenged my potential to think or to create, my body being everyone's except my own that as I watched my husband get ready for work that morning, I realized that somewhere along the way, I had lost myself. And it's complicated, isn't it? Because there's nothing that I had ever, ever loved more. My love for my kids was fierce. It was so fierce, it was startling. The tenderness that I kept around my motherhood and the nagging fear that maybe I wasn't doing enough or maybe I wasn't doing it right. This child that I'd been given, I'd never cared about anything else more than this, this thing called motherhood, this thing that could make my heart soar and crash and then soar again. Why the tears laying in bed that morning? And then even more complicated still, couple all of that passion with the Christian message that I had received that my faithfulness first required a kind of death, a death to self. In that moment in my wet pajamas, watching my clean and driven husband, I had this moment of clarity. First, it was sadness, but then it was clarity. I had absorbed a message that said that anything I did for myself was going to take something away from my kids, that if I did something that restored me, it might ruin them. And how do I say this gently? (laughs) Because once that thought was brought to light, there's a disinfecting quality to the light, I realized it was crap. Because as Christians know, death, it leads to life. It's not being swallowed whole by life. I am not called to give everything away without ever figuring out what to do with all this fire in my belly. I am called to serving these little people. Certainly, who will live and sin and bless and give and seek independence and undoubtedly break my heart a million times over just to put it back together stronger, livelier, holier than before. But it doesn't define me. Only one thing defines me. And so the real question isn't, am I faithfully obeying God or not? The question is, how am I faithfully obeying God? How has God called me to be my most beautifully feminine self? What is my way? What's the way God has given me to celebrate my womanhood, my motherhood? Death might certainly look different from person to person, but in every case, no matter how we are called, it will be a gospel act, life. And we're all such beautiful women, uniquely gifted, divinely inspired, the crown of creation, frankly, his finest work, let's be honest. And we have different triumphs and traumas, different callings and missions, and what degrades you might empower another. And what empowers you might degrade another because how could there possibly just be one way to be something as beautifully complicated as woman? There's not. So I lay in my bed crying and I made a decision right then and there that my writing was going to be my calm, quiet space to think and to dream, to ask myself, am I faithfully obeying God? Watching my husband that morning, it was this eye opener that something just had to give. I needed something for me, and my husband was so beautifully supportive, and he arranged his schedule to allow me space. I was skeptical that such a thing truly existed while raising babies. Space. I mean, I bathed with farm animals and dinosaurs floating around me. But God is mighty. After all, he spoke light into place. Surely he could make the days a little longer my house a little quieter, my load a little lighter, so that every once in a while, with some regularity, I might be able to set aside some time to read and to write about him. With my husband's help, he bought me a new computer that Christmas. That's how it happened. That's how I became to depend on writing as a way of life for me. It calms a restlessness that I've never been able to put my finger squarely on. I steal moments to do it. I stay up late to try to do it well. And when I daydream of a perfect day, it always includes creating something written. I write because I feel like I'm supposed to. And I'm not sure that we can choose for ourselves that which we are supposed to do. I just feel led to it. By God. Even at very inconvenient times, I feel led to it. When I'd rather sleep or watch TV or finish a book. I have crawled out of bed in the middle of the night just to jot down some ideas because I found that it's then that I am the least judgmental of the timid little words that crawl out. With a baby in my arms and a toddler on my lap and cups of juice dangerously close, I've henpecked one-handed words that seem to want to be written. I have paused in the middle of labor, baby-producing labor, in order to tell a story that I think needs told. And what if embracing what we feel led to taught us something about some of our greatest loves? Because I have discovered that creating, it makes me a better mom. I'm creating my own identity. And here's the thing. My kids are watching me do it. They're watching. So when I lock my keys in my car and when I say my favorite four-letter word, my kids are watching. They're watching when the right song comes on at the right time and can make me bawl. They're there as I read my Bible or sit needy in church or honk my horn in a rage at the guy who had the nerve to cut me off in traffic. They're there when I take the emergency phone call and help a dear friend. They're there when I ignore them for longer than I should, if I'm on social media or trying to send an email. There are very few aspects of my life that my kids aren't a witness to. And for a long time, my work, my creativity, my love, it was one of those aspects. They never saw what I was passionate about besides them. But lately... I've been able to include them by bringing them to some speaking events, and there's nothing like those two worlds colliding, the fiery love that I have for them both. And when I think about my babies and what they observe from me, I know that they're not just observing, because they're creating their own lives too. And if this isn't enough to keep working to get it right, then nothing will be. I cannot remember how I connected with Shannon Evans, but once I did, I clung to her words a little desperately even. Her convictions and the beautiful poetic way that she explained them made me feel like I had found a beacon in the darkness. She's challenging. She doesn't let anything slide past her. She points her finger at injustice, all the while creating a more likable world, and her messages are honest and bare and crushing and beautiful. Moms, I know you know. My children are all at once my greatest joy and my greatest stressor, and Shannon speaks to this duality in a way that makes me feel seen and loved and encouraged, and I know that you'll feel it too. Have you heard of Pink Salt Riot products? Jewelry, greeting cards, lifestyle goods, gifts anyone who loves Jesus would love. All of it exists to remind women of what God says about them, that they are beloved and that they are worthy exactly as they are. Everything they make points us back to that truth. You can follow them at Pink Salt Riot on TikTok and on Instagram. I know that it's important to me to shed a veneer of performance and to show up authentically as possible and to live into the mission that God has for me. And Pink Salt Riot certainly helps me do that. You'll love it. Shannon! I am so excited that you're here on Center St. Sister. I just absolutely love following you. I love following you because um, I feel like, and I feel like this is hard to do, I feel like you have found this perfect balance of pushing people outside of comfort, but then allowing them to feel really accompanied as you do it. And Mm -hmm. so with you, nobody journeys alone. Um, And so I feel like as someone who, uh, you know, who has a, a platform like you do, you can either be um, this really accommodating leader who says the things that um, that people want to hear, or you can be a challenging prophet. and And the temptation to be first or neither of those things is probably pretty great because there's a fair amount of loneliness that goes around um, preaching new ideas in different ways. So, um, so you say challenging things and maybe it doesn't always gain you a lot of affection. Um, and there's something about the way that you do it that I don't know. It just feels really, you know, as I've been following you, we've been really enjoying this word expansive lately. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's this really expansive way that you do it. You just press on and, um, and you do it in a way that bears beauty to the Jesus way of doing things. That's more than just this Christianized version of our own experiences, but, but it actually transforms. So, um, I, I just, the whole point Shannon is that I just love your style. I'm so grateful that you're here. You're a beautiful writer and you write about things that might not have a lot of conventional beauty. Um, but neither does the cross. (laughs) And so, um, if you have eyes to see something in a new way, then there's a transcendent beauty. And um, in so many ways over the last couple of years, you have helped me have eyes to see. And you certainly did this um, with your most recent undertaking, Rewilding Motherhood. Um, So before we get started and dive into this, because I'm dying, um, I would love for you to give a brief introduction of yourself and that might include who or what you love or how you spend your time or what you create um, or how your giftings are moving you to love better whatever you want. I would just love for people to know more about you through you
1: well, I
2: am really humbled by your words and it means a lot to me and that's um yeah it's it's really affirming because that's my hope you know and that's mm-hmm. kind of what I feel is the sweet spot of what the Holy Spirit has called me to is to mm-hmm. um you know, kind of be, be that third way of, of like be challenge, like of challenge, but also invitation and accompaniment. Mm -hmm. I love that you use that Mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. So that was really encouraging. And thank you for saying that. Um, So, yeah, I'm Shannon Evans. I have been married for 15 years and we have five kids. The oldest is adopted, which I think maybe was like our original connection. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then the four after that were biological. And so they're ages 11 to two. And then we have a dog, Thunder, who's asleep over here and will probably disrupt (laughs) things. Perfect. Um, I love it. Thunder, you're invited. (laughs) He's sound asleep. He's not, uh, not interested in our motherhood conversation. (laughs) apparently. But yeah, I, we live in Iowa, Central Iowa, um, Ames, where Iowa State University is. That's usually the only way that people would know what Ames, Iowa is. But yeah, we're just, I'm, I'm kind of living this life of the past year I've been working full time and my husband has gone to working part time. And so then he is the primary caregiver for our kids, although we mm-hmm. do have like school, preschool, grandparents in the mix too. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I just, I, I'm a writer, I do social media for different, um, platforms and I'm, yeah, let me see. What were the questions that you actually asked? Oh, like, So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what, what do I answer? Um, yeah, I think I, I definitely find myself and find God through writing. It feels like mm-hmm. a, a calling, um, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it feels right up there with motherhood and marriage mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. far as you know what I am um stewarding as far as my time yes. and energy and um so I take it really seriously and I I try to have always well for the past 5 or 6 years have really tried to um yeah just just be very intentional about it so I've been published in a lot of online and print magazines and mm-hmm. this is my second book um, a bigger publishing distribution than the first one. Mm -hmm. So that was exciting. Yeah, But yeah, I just, um, I feel really passionate these days about women, which I think for a long time, I didn't want to be a women's writer because it was like, (laughs) it was like, oh, that's cute. You're like in like Christian women's ministry, like how sweet, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, kind of a way to, I feel like in Christian circles, it can kind of be a way to pretend to give women voice and leadership but you're not like, you're like, you have to stay with the women, (laughs) you know? So I kind of like fought against that. Um, And then just a few years ago, I kind of slowly came to understand that that like, that was just internalized junk on my part of like this messages that like women aren't good enough. Like, like speaking to women is somehow less than speaking to men. Like, whoa that was that was this huge aha moment when i kind of woke up to that and i think that's part of the reason that i wanted to write this book cuz i was like i want to give women the kind of depth and the kind of nuance that, that 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 we deserve and i find like so much of our christian literature for women is is kind of on the light side and on the um not always but it but it certainly can be sort of more on the palatable side or like Right. And I just like I just want to go deep and be honest and encourage other women to be honest and kind of examine how God might be doing new things. Yes.
1: So. Yeah. Sorry. I
0: just um I I love that so much because I feel like for so long I um was being pulled into women's ministry and in, in retreat type situations. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that felt really resistant to that because, well, I don't want, I'm not crafty. I don't want to do crafts. And it was like, (laughs) wait, where's this message coming from? Because I don't even, I I mean, I think this is a me problem that I think that Mm -hmm. I have to conform to that. I mean, I don't, I don't, we can, we can get together and we can make this what it actually is, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I I love your book for this reason so much. Um, It's going to be a great temptation, by the way, to not just open it up and read the entire thing. Um. That makes a really bad podcast. As it turns out, you should like audio (laughs) your own book. (laughs) Um, But I underlined so many things. I folded so many pages, but what you have done, and this is kind of what we're talking about a little bit with women's ministry is that you've taken motherhood, which is so often portrayed one-sided and Mm -hmm. you have dived headfirst into the realities of motherhood um, instead of the expectations. of of motherhood. And so similarly in women's ministry, it's like, oh, the expectation is that I'm supposed to show up and teach this craft a new way when really, no, what are the realities as we're actually experiencing them? And so I love you for that. Um, You've embraced complexity. You have very lovingly lovingly taken on the taboo. Um, Can we get into the specifics of what made you write it? I know you're feeling called to serve women these days, but what are the specifics of that?
2: Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of how much to, how far back to even go. I think I've been really personally and professionally disillusioned with women's ministries and, and, you know, being a part of them and feeling, um, in a lot of ways, feeling like there is still a bottom line that is controlled by men and leadership. And so like kind of realizing how, um, you know, women's voices can be amplified, but they still have to conform to um, what the what the yeah. male in leadership says is okay. Mm-hmm. And this is true in Catholic and Protestant spheres because I've I've been in both. Um, so at that point, I kind of started opening up this new level of honesty before God. And at the, that same time period, I was doing these um, this Ignatian spiritual exercises group, which I now love Ignatian spirituality because it is mm-hmm. so much about honesty and self-trust and like recognizing how God is moving and it's not dictated by anybody else. It's like, you know, um, you know what God is doing. If you, if you can get honest with yourself and, and trust what you're hearing from God. And so, so that was definitely formative. So as that happened, I began to just really become passionate about, um, about women and about us being able to tell our truth you know to take up that space in in social Mm -hmm. circles and religious circles and tell the truth even if it is not like what is approved of or if that's not what some people want to hear from women um and so it it's definitely made people uncomfortable but i sort of have always made people uncomfortable because i back when i spoke about race a lot that made people inco- you know there's always something so i i've learned to accept that but um but yeah that's kind of what propelled me and then writing the book in particular i think i was so interested in exploring this idea of what it is to be a woman in the church what what is like the unique spirituality that we contribute to the church and and what is um what is the spirituality of of womanhood or femininity that isn't really tapped into by us and um, like on an individual level, not just a a collective level. And so I just realized there's really no books about this in relation to motherhood. And for those of us who Mm -hmm. are still in the process of raising kids, that's most of our life, you know, like we might have jobs, we might have other, you know, volunteer work or other obligations, but like, this is a huge part of our life so I just became really interested in how to integrate this idea of feminine spirituality with the spiritual path of motherhood and how that can uniquely speak to women, um, especially just at this point in history. So
0: Yeah, I feel like so much of what you're talking about, um, as far as the script we've been handed, um, it, it's so prescriptive in mm-hmm. that you're allowed to tell a couple of different versions of this story, which is you know, the audience kind of expecting, comfortably expecting what to hear. So we can celebrate God's goodness. We can, we can mourn how lost we are without Him. And then we can rejoice at how perfect our lives are now that it's there. And it yeah. really can't deviate too much. And what that fails to do is celebrate our experiences as we are actually living them. (laughs) So, so thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I would love to hear, cause I feel like part of the script, uh, for motherhood is, is this, um, and you do an amazing job tackling it. So I would love to hear people. I would love people to hear you untangle, um, selflessness and holiness. Um, mm-hmm. You do a lot of work in the book around yeah. uh, motherhood and martyrdom and all of the things that we're conflating with our true identity. Um, if you don't mind, I would love to read a, just a couple of sentences from your book and then kind of yeah. let you expand on that. Is that okay? I, like I said, it's going to be hard to not read the whole thing, but here we go. Well, it makes it easier for me because <laughs> like, what did I say? I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? Um, you said this. You said, if we believe... However subconsciously that our worth is earned by our self-denial, we will never believe how deeply good God says we really are. We will spend our lives becoming less and less, hoping that it earns us the approval of someone up in heaven when the whole time God within us has been asking us to listen, to trust, and to know ourselves, because this is the interior pathway to heaven." Who does not have chills right now? That's what I want to know. Raise your hand if you do not have chills. (laughs) Gosh, Shannon, what are the things keeping us from ourselves? How do we find our way back?
2: I think that there is a lot of messaging in in the Christian spaces about this sacrifice um, element being, I mean, maybe it's not overtly said, but it's certainly is, is implied that kind of self-sacrifice is sort of like the highest moral good, you know, because we Mm. look at Jesus on the cross. And so Mm -hmm. any way that we sacrifice ourselves for others clearly must be good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the lived experience of women is that, no, that actually, you know, we can tend to take that way too far and not, not speak our needs, not advocate for ourselves and just become, um, you know, at the, at the mercy of everyone that we love. But the problem then is not only does do our family members and, and the world not get the best of what we have to offer, but internally we become resentful and angry and yes. bitter and judgmental yeah. and cold and all of these things that we don't want to be, <sighs> you know? yeah. Um, And so I, you know, I, I talk a little bit in my book, but I really do think that, you know, in Christianity, it comes from a really pure hearted place, obviously of like, yes, it's absolutely beautiful to sacrifice yourself. Like I never want to make it sound like I'm not honoring that because Mm hundred percent, that's, that's a worthwhile, beautiful thing. But again, going back to like the the people who formed, um, I won't even say doctrine, but Christian culture, Mm -hmm. predominantly men. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I talk a little bit in my book about a lot of times it it kind of reflects the balance that men need, you know, because naturally throughout history and evolution, they are away from the family. They are working independently or they're hunting and it becomes like, oh, they need that constant reminder to give themselves to others, to lay down their lives for others, But for women, like, most women will produce at least one child in their life, you know, those who don't are often the ones who are expected to care for aging parents, um, to care for for nieces and nephews, other people's children, you know, there's something about, um, and it's something really holy and has so much dignity that women are natural caregivers. And I don't think that there's anything um, wrong about that at all, but just as since, and even from a historical perspective, right. That's what women have done. Um, but so the messaging that we need from our spiritual spaces is not necessarily the same thing. It's not necessarily like, Oh, the more you give of yourself, the holier you are. Well, we're already giving freaking everything. Like what else can we give, you know, and still be a functioning human being. And so, you know, I, there's, there's kind of a a cliche about writers that you know the book you write kind of reveals what you struggle with and I think that there is something to that theme of of martyrdom and self-sacrifice running through this book because it's been such a wrestle in my own life and it's something that I really woke up to and realized gosh I don't like the self that I am. like I don't like that I don't even um, you know have time for things that I feel like I have to give the world. I don't like that half the time I'm annoyed with my kids because maybe I shouldn't be at 24 seven with them. Maybe I need more space. And, and that's been a really beautiful thing to see that, like when I'm working outside of the home and then come back, I, I personally, just me, just the way I'm wired, not Mm -hmm. every woman, but Mm -hmm. I personally feel Happier to be with my kids, more excited yep. to see them. I have yep. more to to give them, and and I'm more willing to receive from them. Does not mean that's true for every woman, or that it mm-hmm. should be true for every woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just getting honest with ourselves and being like, well, you know, um, are my needs getting met? Are there things that that I feel I'm disqualified from right now, or mm-hmm. do I feel like it's safe for my family for me to voice? my boundaries, or my needs, or when I, you know, when I um, would do better with another arrangement, you know, and and kind of even giving ourselves permission to think that way and explore that way for many women, is sort of revolutionary, because we're just, we're like, we're going to put our chin down, or we're going to do this until the kids are out of the house, and then we'll live our own
0: lives. Yeah.
2: But gosh, like, that's, that's a long time of it's not being able time. to fully be who we are, you know? Yeah.
0: I had this, um, somewhat disturbing moment. Um, it happened in a dentist chair. I was scheduled for a root canal and I had four kids, four and under at the time. And I, um, I was sitting there, I'm very anxious about the dentist. And so I had my earbuds in and the music was, turned up loud. Um, they kind of ushered me back very sweetly. Like the receptionist prayed with me before. I mean, they were taking Uh such good care of me. I know. So really, really kind. And so they're ushering me back to this chair and I lay down and, my music's in, there was a TV on the ceiling, like dentists had offices had come a long way in the time yeah. that I had been gone. And it was like on the food network. And there were these lovely women making candy or something. And so I changed the channel while the caramel set. And I I took this deep breath. And I thought, well, this is nice. Um, I was having a root canal. Okay, <laughs> Literally, yep. there were two people four inches from my face with their fingers in my mouth, pushing their t- my tongue around, drilling a hole into my head. And I'm like, mm. well, this is great. And it was just this moment of reckoning for me that um, going to the dentist should not be my me time. You know, there right. are things that make me feel more like me. And for yeah. me, like you, that's, it's, it's writing. It's, it, there's, there's a creative um, process that I have to tap into. And if I don't, it feels like there's a cat clawing to get out that makes me mean, frankly.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was,
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. But the the other thing that I was thinking of while you were talking is, I do I co-host um a, a podcast with a friend and um, Taylor who you just met, and he was talking about I I, I know that you've heard this idea about um saying. Um, Instead of saying, I'm sorry, all the time, you can just say thank you. And so instead of saying, I'm sorry, I was a couple minutes late, you can say thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for waiting for me. Or um, I'm sorry, I don't understand. You can say thank you for explaining that again. And so... D- Taylor and I were musing back and forth that he was like, I don't know. It just feels re- really manipulative. Like, Oh I'm yeah. I'm sorry. I'm hit you. I'm sorry. Instead of, I'm sorry. I hit you. Like thank you for running into my hand or maybe I got that backwards. But anyways, <laughs> he was just saying same, same, like what's the problem here? And I'm like, mm. that's because Taylor has a big personality and is large and in charge and, um, yeah. delightfully obnoxious in some ways. And so I was like, Taylor, that's because this message is not for you. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> you need no help transforming your mindset, you know, to quit, you know, catering to other people, to quit bowing down so much so that you've become a doormat. So, so we do need to cater our messages and individualize, you know, things as like we've been saying, as we are actually experiencing them instead of how people think we should be or, or whatever.
2: Yes, exactly. I, I, that's a great example of like... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just, just because something is true for someone else doesn't mean that's what you need to hear or that's what, you know, your, your point of growth right now. And maybe at one point it was, it will be in the future, but like, yeah,
0: yeah. But that's what your book has done and is doing for me is it's giving space for like, all of myself. <laughs> because the truth it. is like, even now, like, you know, as before we got started, it's like, how are you? And are you hungry? And it's like, even, I mean, as a 40 year old woman, it's like, what's your testimony, which one, you know, like, oh how gosh, are you doing? Right? It's like, which 10 minutes are you talking about? And so <laughs> yeah. I love that there is so much room to just spread out and be mm-hmm. completely myself and feel ministered to by rewilding motherhood. Um, this was particularly enlightening for me, your work around anger. I just, there were things that you started writing really specifically about where I was like, wait, I'm mad about that too. I had (laughs) never, I had never paid enough holy attention to it to, um, to give it any kind of therapy. You know, to give it any kind of nurturing back, it's like I hadn't sat down long enough to acknowledge it for what it was. And when you were writing about it, um, I, I just, I loved the way that you embraced every corner of your anger and you, you examined it. Um, it feels brave to me because I, mm. I feel afraid of anger and I don't know, there's probably some wounding there, but, um, I feel, I feel too, um, I don't know. I, I am, I am afraid to sit down with it for too long. I don't know exactly what I'm afraid of. This could obviously, as I'm even just talking right now on the fly, use a little um, attention, but I, I just, in your experiences, what does your anger have to do with your wholeness? Mm-hmm. You've done well, really important work around it. I'd love to hear you talk to people about it.
2: First of all, I want to say, like I found ever since I, I've really started delving into this. And again, It was my own stuff that I was working through in like in spiritual direction and counseling. And I, you know, now I, my antenna is kind of out. So anytime people talk about anger, especially like in Christian circles, then I, then I really start listening. My, my antenna kind of goes up and I've noticed like, it is definitely not just you. There is this fear of anger, um, of expressing it, of feeling it because, Mm -hmm. Well I don't know maybe maybe the because is is different for all of us or maybe we have a lot of different reasons but it's certainly there to where it's like oh you know I don't really have an anger problem like I don't really get angry my priest actually this week just jokingly but you know said something like um well, I don't really get angry I you know I'm too holy for that or something and it was a joke but it but it was very um telling you know because yeah. well why is anger not holy I think anger can be very Absolutely. holy but, that's very, um, it's a reinforcement of, of like our underlying belief. About yes, it. So what's yeah. really fascinating to me is this, this idea of letting anger be neutral. Like it's not bad. Yes. It's not necessarily good. It's yeah. neutral. But then we ask questions about it. We ask, like, we trace it back. We see, um, you know, the more questions we ask, the more curious we get about it, then we can find more specific reasons um, that it's there. And they can tell us information about ourselves. They can give us information about what we want to be changed in our life or in society. I mean, there's plenty to be angry about in our society. Um, But yeah, I love Austin Channing Brown. I quote her in my Mm. book and she says, anger points us to what's wrong and what could be made right. And Mm. I think that's social justice issues, but that's also me and my family. Like there is like, there is something wrong in like my trajectory of where I've gotten today, but I can make it right. Like I don't have to stay angry. I don't have to stay resentful, all of these things, but like, I have to know why that emotion is there. So I have to Mm -hmm. start asking questions about it. And so to your point, like, yeah, I think, I think following our anger I won't say it's, it's the way to wholeness, but I don't know that we can become whole without it, without being willing to go there.
0: You know, so I, I, I'm flustered myself just then because I can't figure out why I'm afraid of it. I, you know, and I think, I guess the idea is that I'm afraid if I start to let it go, it will um, get past me somehow, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm a yoga instructor. And so we talk about feeling our feelings all the time. Like, it's just, it's a time to carve out space and solitude Mm -hmm. to form a more friendly relationship with ourselves and get rid of this pesky voice that tells us we ought to be somebody different. Well, you know what I am right now? I'm angry, you know? And so what if our emotions weren't, um, you know, what if they weren't our master's? You know, what Mm -hmm. if they just worked for us? What if, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to control you. It's just an information giver, um, as you said. And so I I just, I wonder, um, it felt like a really holy exercise that I was experiencing with you as you started kind of listing, you go through in the book, listing some of the things that you were angry about. Do you mind Mm -hmm. sharing some of that without giving too much away? Um, Yeah. Some of the things that were disappointing to you.
2: Yeah. I I was really glad that you, that that resonated with you. Cause in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this going to come off like me complaining? You know, is this going to come mm-hmm. off me whining about my life choices <laughs> or whatever, when it's no. like clearly my own fault, you know, but I, I, I went for it. Cause I thought a lot of women would probably realize yeah. they feel the same or yeah. have worked through it as well. So it was things like, you know, I was mad at my twenty year old self who picked an easy major and just sort of coasted through college because i I was like gonna be a missionary. So like, what do I need college for or whatever? you know, and yeah. just very, um, you know, i I didn't I didn't go for the things I didn't major in writing or um, mm-hmm. theater or um yeah.
1: filmmaking,
2: like all of these things that I was yeah. actually interested in.
1: yeah, but
2: um so I was just like, oh let's let's do the thing that'll be most conducive to missions or like, like spiritual bypassing or whatnot, mm-hmm, you know, but mm-hmm. probably because I was afraid of the risk or I was afraid yeah. of um, it not working out. So I kind of picked something and then, and then, yeah, like getting married young within a um, at the time we were part of a, a church congregation that really like idealized stay at home moms. And so it was sort of like, Oh, of course that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of jumped into that without actually really thinking through, is that what I want? Um, you know, or is there some way to, to explore other options, you know, just kind of feeling like the choices that I made throughout my twenties had sort of trapped me because yeah. now I had, you know, pregnancies and nursing babies and young children. And I had, um, was, had been out of the workforce forever, had a degree that I didn't even want to use. And, you know, like all of these things where I just felt trapped and having to acknowledge that I was angry about Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. like I said, some of it was just anger at myself for being like immature and not really taking things seriously. Some of it was anger at, you know, the part of the evangelical culture that I was a part of at the time. Some of it was angry at probably my husband at some point, I'm sure I had to unpack that, Mm -hmm. but yeah, just kind of all of these, these points along the way. And some of it, not even being angry at people, but just saying like, I'm angry that this is the place that I'm in and I feel stuck here and I don't know how to get out of it. Um, But for me, starting to ask those questions really gave me permission to then find ways to, to make it work. Like, okay, this is the life I have today. So what small changes could I make that, you know, could I have a few more hours of childcare so that I could write or um, do yoga so that I feel like a a whole person, you know, and Mm -hmm. so kind of started rearranging the pieces of our family puzzle a little bit to to make things actually work. And it's been really healthy.
0: And letting it point you to whatever unmet, unmet need, you're experiencing. Yeah. You know, um, you, you say in the book that our, our pain is expected to be, um, private and brief. Mm -hmm. Um, our, our pain is in, in a lot of ways, inconvenient. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are certainly some gender differences, um, Mm -hmm. that happen around anger. I was in a meeting once where I expressed, um, some surprise over a decision that was made that I felt I should have been a part of and when I spoke up and said so and then someone very curtly um and quickly um apologized although sincerely um it took me a minute to um and and it took the the meeting a little longer to progress um because I wasn't immediately over it and so it was just mm-hmm. like, I just needed to kind of process what had happened. I needed to process the, since albeit sincere, um, apology. And I was called later and reprimanded um, because um, people were made uncomfortable and, um, and that the meeting took longer. And so I brought up at the time um, and it was, it felt risky and scary to do so. But that, if it were a male in the meeting who had acted just as I had acted, I don't think that we would be on the phone right now. I don't think right. that this phone call would be happening. Um, and so i I love um the permission, you know, um rewilding motherhood as i as I read it, I felt met in every aspect of my emotional experience as I was reading it and there was just so much permission to just lay there and feel your feelings, which is what I say in yoga all the time. So, um, you really feel like a kindred spirit to me, um, just in all of the allowances that you give women. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't remember that you were a yoga instructor, but that also, That
2: makes sense. Why we click so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not an instructor, but man, it's been such an important part of my life of of learning to um, trust my body, trust myself, of learning to like, that I am, um, you know, I love when my yoga instructors say, like, you are the authority of how you feel inside. Yes. Like nobody else knows exactly what you need today. So my prompts are just suggestions, but you know what you need to do today. Oh my gosh. And man, just having that outside voice speak that. Yes. It really, it really has gone deep into mm-hmm. like the way that I function in the world and in the church and in the mm-hmm. workplace. And
0: it's been really good. So
2: thank you for
0: yeah, being I, a yoga um, instructor. <laughs> Changing my- lives one of my very favorite things is, um, and I map this out, like before we start, is ignore me. It brings me so much pleasure if I'm calling out something that we're supposed to do. And you're like, I'm going to stay here. You know what? I'm going to ignore you all altogether, and I'm going to lay down, and I'm going to get in child's pose, and I'm going to shut my eyes, and I might even fall asleep because that's how relaxed I am. I am like, I have completely done my job <laughs> if someone is ignoring me to the point of falling asleep. Like, oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, just one more quick thing about anger, because you brought this up too, is that there is... Um, an acceptable place for our anger. And that is usually around our children, like mama bear Mm -hmm. stories, free pass. We, we love a good mama bear story. What is up with that? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it is great, but it's like, you know, I mean, it's not the only thing that's great.
2: Right. Right. It's, (laughs) It's very, it's very interesting where it's like, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why we've decided that that's where it's okay for women to be angry if if it's on behalf of our children and mm-hmm. if it's on mm-hmm. behalf of, of something yeah. else. And even in the book, I mentioned like, even sometimes there will be a pass if it's like a social issue. Like if you're leading a uh-huh. charge against, you know, and sure. it's like, wow, look at that. Um, look at that woman go with her maternal instinct. It's usually yeah. tied with maternal in some yeah. way. Um, but when we're, when we're doing it on behalf of ourself, you know, when we're raising mm-hmm. a voice in a way that is not pre-approved, um, uh, you know, for our, for ourselves or for other women,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it gets really dicey and it gets really, people become really uncomfortable really quickly. And, you know, black and Latina women, this is exponentially more true. You know, they, they yeah. do not have a lot of margin, um, by society for this. And, and, but I mean, white women have, <laughs> have not a lot either, just, just, um, there is some variation there that I always feel like responsible to point out, but yeah, it's, it's real. And it's, um, there's a lot of what, what I think that you're saying about, like a lot of phone calls that wouldn't be happening if it was, if it was a man in the seat, Um, and it tends to, you know, the anger of men kind of tends to garner more respect even if people think that they're jerks that there's still like a level of respect and like almost kind of fear but like in a way that gives honor in a sense like oh Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to mess with him even though he's kind of a jerk but like I'm gonna respect him uh, because at least he says what he thinks but like if a woman does that it would definitely
0: (laughs) not be
2: received the same way so
0: uh, I would just love to be at a place in my life where I'm just telling the truth all the time, you know, right. where I am. This is this is what I'm experiencing. Everyone's allowed to know it. And I wasn't, you know, trying to conform in one way or another. That would be a lot of freedom. Um, okay. So Shannon, you and I live in the same type of house. Our house is also a hundred years old. That seems really romantic in theory and is really, really hard in practice. Yeah. Yeah. My husband, we, we had to learn about ourselves that we are not as handy dandy as we thought we were. And so it's, (laughs) it's been really disappointing. Um, but how you talk about our, you know, the, the domesticity that happens as women and as mothers and frankly, as people, I mean, there's a lot of caretaking that there, that there is to do. Um, But it really spoke to me. And I loved how you got into the history of it all. I mean, just from the industrial revolution that pushed men outside the home and tied women to it so that men could go and be productive. Um, And then even, you know, to World War II happening and then us being forced outside of the home and, and, order to keep the country afloat. Um, and even now, you know, just a, a certain form of, um, elitism really yeah. with, with the mommy wars and Pinterest yeah. and in comparison yeah. and, in this perfect home being a sign of success. Um, right. you have invited us to look at, all of this so, so differently. Um, So differently, in fact, that a plate might be sacred and that our labor of love might be Mm -hmm. a prayer. Um, So I would love for you to tell people about your relationship because it sounds really, really healthy. And I don't mean to say that it's like statically healthy because I'm sure that you still get upset (laughs) about laundry. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) Um, But I feel like you've just done a lot of work around it and Mm -hmm. I'd love for people to hear it.
2: Well, thanks. Yeah. I, this, in some ways this was the hardest chapter to write. I I mm-hmm. was really interested learning about some of the history that you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, I was, fascinated. But it was the
2: most, yeah, it was the most convicting chapter chapter to write because it's the one that I struggle with the most mm-hmm. currently. Um, and so, but like, I know that we all need to hear it because we're all in that, in the trenches. And so I was kind of preaching to myself as much as, as everybody else, but um. Yeah, I'm slowly thanks to a friend of mine who's a textile artist, and her work really mm-hmm. centers the us. domestic realm. And, and I talk about her in that chapter. Um, she's my neighbor, and so she's had a really great influence on my life and also my friends who are in the Catholic worker movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's that's a that's a sphere that really honors the domestic and and honors manual labor. And so I've learned a lot from those places about about how creating a space creating a sense of place gives us um gives us an opportunity to encounter the the divine an opportunity to see the movements of god in very ordinary ways and in a very ordinary life mm-hmm. and i think you know it's not so much about like finding this sense of eagerness like oh i get to fold another load of laundry like isn't that a wonderful time to pray not like that but like almost a almost a whole mindset shift to to see the value of care and mm-hmm. care for the plate like um and i think i think was it mother teresa that i quoted about the plate <laughs> i should <laughs> I, I should have known this <laughs> but um but she said you know wash the plate because you love the person who's mm-hmm. going to use it next And so like this act of offering, um, this act of care for things as something more than just things, you know, like, is it possible to, to love, love a plate, to love a couch that's falling apart, to love my nasty baseboards Mm -hmm. um, and to serve them because it's creating a space of belonging, which in our world, it's amazing to have a place that you can come where in my case, seven people feel completely free to be themselves, Mm. completely Mm. loved. Um, They feel a sense of belonging. Like it's an honor to do that and to create that space, but it's so easy to get lost in the nitty gritty.
0: Um,
2: And so for me, it's kind of, it's been that, um, that sense of seeing Seeing the bigger picture and seeing the rhythms of very boring, ordinary things as holy, and I kind of compare it to like the ritual of mass, and and realizing, you know, how much how much repetition actually can kind of ground us in in um, who we are in God and, and in God's presence. So yeah, it's kind of it's a work in progress for me for sure. But my my hope is that it's like a larger mindset shift rather than like starting to love individual tasks which let's be honest I'm never going to love doing right but but like if I'm washing dishes and I can remember that this um that this is is sacred work that this is an act of love um to be put out in the world not just like I don't know I, I, it's kind of a yeah. mystical thing and I, I you know when yeah. I read the saints I really read a lot of this, because so many of them were living a monastic life, you know, were religious who were cloistered or whatever, and it was mm-hmm. like, you know, that that revelation of these tiny little acts, these repetitive acts, these these ritualistic acts,
0: like have this ability to ground us in something bigger than ourselves. It's so good. Thank you so much. Um, lastly, I'd like to finish with what about your motherhood is bringing you joy these days. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh.
2: Oh, well I have, I had four boys and I have a daughter now. Um, my fifth, my fifth one was a daughter and we weren't like trying for a girl. Like I hate it when people are are like that. I'm like, I loved having boys. I love being a boy yeah. mom, but yeah, but there is something really special. And so mm-hmm. she's like, Uh, yeah, it's just, it's really fun. She's like in her (laughs) pink phase and she's Uh wearing her butterfly wings like everywhere, Uh you know, and it's just, it is bringing me so much joy to have like this, this other, I mean, all of my kids are really different. Their personalities are totally different, but just to kind of experience the world through Mm. the eyes of a little girl. And it brings me back to my own childhood Mm. and, you know, just kind of, the wonder of freaking out when you see the color pink, like, I don't know. There's just something really like
1: refreshing
2: yeah. about going back to like those memories of my own girlhood and, yeah. um, and like how beautiful the world was. And also how, how comfortable I was in myself and, you know, she's only two. So, so we have a ways to go here, but like, yes. yeah, that freedom to be like, so, unaffected uh, by what other people think or yes. what's, what's permissible, you know? And like, I just, it's fascinating. And I think it's really healing to watch.
0: Absolutely. I call that my twirling girl, yes. you know, like what's, what, 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 if you could ascribe an emotion to your twirling girl I'm picturing like recess, you know, just, or whatever, like just yeah. that, that sense of freedom, what's, what's beneath the freedom. And so mm-hmm. much of it is, I'm not conscious of being observed. You know, I'm not, I'm not like looking around wondering what people are thinking about. Mm -hmm. I'm not watching you watching me. I'm just me. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Well, I just, okay. So, Shannon, tell us where um, to find you, where to follow you, how you want us to get Rewilding Motherhood. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I please do pick
2: up Rewilding Motherhood. You know, I, I always encourage people to use real bookstores rather than Amazon support support booksellers um, locally, you know, if you use bookshop, the website website.org.com, then you could find it, you know, locally, and they'll still mail it to your house or whatnot. Um, but obviously do what's do what's right for you. Um, Shannon k is my website. And on Instagram, where I'm most active. I am on Facebook and Twitter, but
0: on Instagram, I'm Shannon K, the letter K Evans. So. I love following along. You invite us most days, if not every day, to unlearn things that have been passed down and to reclaim solitude and embrace our anger and to maintain our boundaries and to altogether make peace um, with our truest selves. So I'm just, I'm so grateful for you. Please never quit writing, never quit speaking. I just, I'm here behind you, like encouraging the, all the bravery it takes. I just, oh, I love you I so love much. It. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Allison. Thanks for having me on. And I love following you too. You're one of my, one of my faves.
0: Awesome. Well, I have family in Iowa, so no way. I we'll know. You know
2: whenever you come.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Shannon.
2: Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, friends, is everyone already following at Junk Gypsy and at The Wonder Inn on Instagram? If not, scoot on over, I'll wait. I have spent the last decade admiring the talent of Junk Gypsy, clothes, boots, jewelry, antiques. They're a little hard to pin down, a little airless, a little mapless, throwbacks, visionaries, but definitely creative misfits. And I thought that I loved everything there was to love about Junk Gypsy, but then I went and stayed at their farmhouse and now I am completely speechless. Almost. I wasn't completely sure when I was there. I was in heaven, but then they gently tapped on the door in the morning and they brought me warm biscuits. Go, you guys. It would be so perfect for a girl's weekend. Go visit their store in Round Top. Go find their website at gypsyville.com. Follow them on Instagram at junkgypsy and at the Wander Inn. You won't be disappointed. Hi, Beefy. Good morning, Beefy Nader. Okay. So I saw there was like this list of questions. It was an article. I don't, it was in my Yahoo news or something, but there was a list, a list of questions that helped, you know, how well you knew your beef. Like it was kind of this indicator. And I was so mad because I couldn't answer a lot of them. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) I don't like one of them was, um, who would, who would your best friend let be the third person in your best friendship? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I got mad because I was like, it'd probably be somebody really dumb. Like, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Like a Kardashian or something or whatever. <laughs> That's insulting to me.
1: <laughs> you watch really bad TV. I don't know. The Kardashians are lovely. Know. I don't mean it. I do have a certain teen mom in mind that I think would get along swimmingly with both of us. Oh my but gosh. I don't think you yeah, would no. approve. No, I wouldn't.
0: <laughs> oh, actually, I did just think of one.
1: Okay, me too. Me too.
0: Okay, let's see if it's the same person. Let's count to three and just say it and okay. see if it's the same person. Okay, ready? Okay, one, two, three. Tina Faye Brown. <laughs> did you, you said Tina Fey? I did. Oh my gosh. I I really like really approve. Um, <laughs> okay, so beef. You know that I have spent the last over a year, year and a half, um, being really really sad at people and Mm -hmm. there is something about getting the podcast up and going again. That is so good for my soul. Mm -hmm. Like talking Mm -hmm. to people with more regularity is really, really good for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, we miss connection. We miss people. We miss coffee dates and long lunches. And I think that even though a lot of us have started seeing more people, I think we're like having to learn or relearn how to connect with people, Um, even people that we used to be close with, and it can be uncomfortable to reconnect. So um, I think the podcast is a good reminder of how we've, of all that we've been missing out on and that it's worth a little discomfort to get back in there.
0: I love that you're talking about like the discomfort of reentry because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the podcast is I feel like we embrace that you know like okay this mm-hmm. is gonna be awkward that's okay too yeah yep. <laughs> but yes I mean community it we're hardwired for it I mean nobody hunted like hunts and gathers alone you know um <laughs> and then what is it the the try Maslow's Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the very tip of it is self-actualization or whatever. It's like you never right. self-actualize out of community. Like that's not right. going anywhere. In fact, the more self-actualized you are, the more you realize we actually really need each other a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, there are gaps though, I will say between like virtual right. community and in person, right. but this, this is really good.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a sense of community, but it's also nice to see someone face-to-face that's speaking things that resonate with you, and she said so many important things. Oh, I know. What stood out? Well, if I'm being honest, um, I hate to put you on the spot in front of the people, but I'm going to put you on the spot in front of the people. Okay. Um, I couldn't, I mean, it gave me pause when you could not find very many words at all around why you couldn't find any words around your anger. I mean, and as fierce as you are, I don't know that I knew that you were uncomfortable with it. I mean, even just like right now, you just when we started, you said that you've been sad at people, and I know you were kind of kidding, but what's up with that, girl? Ah,
0: uh-huh. I know. Okay, so yeah, I know that was I hated that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't like Weird. not being able to pin something down, right? And right. and like name it. And I love right. words. Like getting good language around things feels really
1: important were to me. At a loss. <laughs>
0: I think it's that I've thought about it too. I think it's that anger has always been my Achilles heel, you know, like Mm -hmm. I remember this being an issue, like even as, as a young person, I'm no quitter, like I've carried this into adulthood, but like, even as a young person, I remember feeling more anger than my peers. Like I, Mm -hmm. that just feels kind of inherent to my personality or or something. I don't know. Well, Uh, what do you
1: remember being mad about as a kid?
0: I don't, I don't know. Like that. culottes were in style or something. I don't know. I, I just, I remember having like very intense emotions and then I, I never seemed to have much control over it. And so I think that for me, anger has always felt a little scary because you know better than anybody that I'm either mm-hmm. like 100% or nah, I'm good. Right. Like there is no in between. And if I could just like titrate some anger. You know, like if I could experience it and more control it, like in more manageable bouts, then I think that I would do a little better with it. I don't
1: know. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the way that you're 100% in when you're in, so I <laughs> can work on it a little bit maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that I really, really loved about the interview is just her really naming her anger, but what it made me think about... When she was naming her anger, I was thinking that that was actually my, what I would call regret. And I think that I thought of yeah. that specifically because that's like probably my biggest struggle. Um, well, regret and used, can make you angry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just, that, just that feeling in the pit of your stomach, just like the discomfort. Um, Bad Mexican
0: and- food. Yes.
1: <laughs> for me, like I can just think about something that I said or something that I did or something that I wish I would have said or something that yeah. I wish I would have done. Right. You can go either way. You can like find something to regret every single day. Um, and I can, I mean, just that feeling in my stomach right now, thinking about, um, the feeling is just the worst, um and i wish i could remember who said it because it was literally a critical pivotal moment in my life but someone told me that regret is one of the strongest tools of the enemy which makes perfect sense right like regret holds you back it keeps you in yesterday it keeps you in what already happened that you can do nothing about and so yeah. it precludes you from moving forward for answering a call for doing what you're supposed to give you know, do and give next to the world. Um, And so when I was able to name it that way and identify it that way, it makes it so much easier. It gives me some power, right? Like I can make a choice to not stew on this and step over it and go be productive, which is something to do rather than just stewing on that. So, um, so I just, that, that I think about that probably, you know, once a week when I'm stewing on something and I'm like, nope, and step over it and will not allow that regret to paralyze me.
0: Here's what I love about this. As I'm listening to you talk, I'm just I'm 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 always like right with you in things. Mm. And so it's interesting to me. Like regret is not something that I struggle with. Like mm-hmm. I don't stress about things I can't change. I'm like, well, I can't change that. So I can really yeah. wipe my hands of that. And then yeah. anger is not something that you would ever like let get out ahead of you or like potentially harm someone with, or you know, I mean <laughs> it's yeah. just it's so interesting to me that you have not been conditioned to fear your anger because you're in pretty good control of it and I'm not paralyzed, you know, by analysis I, of something that didn't happen or shouldn't have happened or whatever. Um and so I love the team that we make. I love, mm-hmm. you know, that you can talk me down and I can talk you up or or whatever. Like it's so mm-hmm. great. Community, BV community. <gasps> yeah. Hey, <laughs> how about that to bring it right back around? <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure uh Tina probably wishes she could titrate some of her anger, too.
1: (laughs) Brene definitely doesn't. She probably doesn't have regret, though, either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's perfect. Okay, Mm -hmm. love you, Beef. Love you. See ya. Bye. Love you five ever. Come again? Love you five ever. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? It's like forever, but longer.
1: Oh, that's good. Love you five ever, too. Bye. (laughs) Bye why'd you sing it (laughs) I forgot about it until I looked at my notes. and I was like that's my favorite part yeah
0: safe to save is an app that rewards safe driving do you find yourself wanting the peace of mind that comes with knowing where your family is but not wanting to be that mom that's always asking where are you are you there yet how long will you be there with safe to save fam you can have the comfort of knowing that your people are safe you can see where they are, you can see how safely they're driving, and you can even receive notifications when they have arrived safely at their destination. Equip your family today with tools and knowledge needed to make sure that everyone arrives safely while receiving sweet rewards for not teching and driving. Restaurants like Jersey Mike's, McDonald's, Schlotsky's, Chick-fil-A, La Madeline, Smoothie King, all of them offering free food that motivate you and your family to not tech and drive. Start with 500 free points by entering the code Allison when downloading. Download safe to save today. Safe, number two, save. Thank you so much for being here. See you next week. If you haven't already, please subscribe in order to not miss a thing. And if you're new around here and would like to learn more about me, you can head over to Amazon.com and pick up a copy of my book, Rock, Paper, Scissors, and follow along on Instagram at Allison M. Sully. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to fortecatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.